Hello world and welcome to the Overtone Warp Zone. This podcast is for people who enjoy games, love music, and want to know more about how their favorite songs work. In season one, we're taking a look at musical concepts found in pieces from Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. I'm Dan Bergman, and let's get started. In our Halloween episode this past year, we talked about a couple of horror genre franchises that find their way into Smash Bros. There's the goofy Luigi's Mansion series, and there's the serious action platformer Castlevania series. If I told you there was another horror game whose music was represented in Smash Bros. Ultimate, which game would you think I was talking about? I'll give you a hint. This is the music. Yeah, it's Wario. This music is called Gamer, from the stage Gamer. Originally, this music was featured in Game and Wario, which was the WarioWare entry for the Wii U console. The game was composed by the following composers, Yasuhi Sababa, Masanobu Matsunaga, Takeru Kanazaki, Hiroki Morishita, Sho Murakami, and Yoshito Sekigawa. Perhaps we should back up a bit and talk about the Wario franchise for a moment, though. Games that feature Wario essentially fall into one of two categories, one of which is Wario Land. These games are some sort of platform adventure games in which Wario indulges his greedy personality by treasure hunting or generally increasing his wealth. Sadly, we only have one piece of music from this half of the series, that being the ruins from Wario Land Shake It. The second category of Wario games is WarioWare, in which the fiction is that Wario sees the video game industry as a market for easy profit for game developers. However, since he's so lazy, the best he and his friends and employees can accomplish are micro-games of 3-5 to five seconds in length, where the user must complete a series of games from the list of over 200 games, each based on a one-word instruction. Your reactions are put to the test. For each new Nintendo console that comes out, the developers of the game play with the gimmicks of the hardware as much as possible. For example, WarioWare makes use of the accelerometers in the Wiimotes, and WarioWare Touched makes use of the DS's touchscreen. Game & Wario, as the name implies, is reminiscent of those ancient dual-screen handheld LCD screen games known as Game & Watches. Game & Wario makes great use of the TV and the Wii U gamepad as dual screens. It also diverges from the other WarioWare games in that Wario and company are actually each able to complete one full-fledged minigame. They really worked their butts off for this one. One of those minigames is created by a child, the hardcore Nintendo gamer 9Volt, and it's called Gamer. Whew, alright. Now for the context of the song Gamer that we find for the stage Gamer in Smash Bros Ultimate. In the Game & Wario minigame Gamer, you play as 9Volt, who is sternly told by his mother that it is time to go to bed. 9Volt complies, but 
And this is the gameplay of the minigame gamer. He stays up late playing WarioWare microgames on his gaming console, which you see on the Wii U gamepad. This is all super meta because while you're trying to beat those microgames on the gamepad, you also have to keep an eye on the TV because every now and then your mother will come to check on you to make sure you aren't staying up late. So, to convince her you're sleeping, you have to hold the L and R buttons on the gamepad to quickly pause the game and hide under the sheets. And you can't just hold the covers over your head with the game paused forever, because 9V has a tiredness meter that will fill up if he keeps on pretending to sleep, meaning he'll actually fall asleep and not get to finish his game. Okay, that was a lot of info. If you zoned out along the way, here's a quick recap. Gamer is a minigame from Game & Wario where you play as a young gamer trying to beat a set of microgames from WarioWare without your mom finding you awake, and if she does, you lose the minigame. How many times can I say game in one episode? Now I did say this was a horror game, and it is. The way that the mother looks at you and the methods by which she tries to catch you disobeying her is scary. Anyone who's ever in real life tried to play video games past their bedtime can attest to how scary this situation is for a person. And the music backs up the scariness. I mean, just listen to this. The stage gamer in Smash Bros. Ultimate, when hazards are turned on, features the scary mom trying to spot the fighters on the stage from time to time. If she does, she'll deal massive damage and send you flying. There's something unique about the music for Gamer in Smash Bros though. If you play the music in My Music, The Sound Test, or the stage WarioWare Inc., this is what you hear. This is the audio cue known as Mom Appears. However, most of the time that you play it on the stage gamer, or all the time if you play it with hazards off or in Omega or Battlefield form, this is what you hear. Yeah, it's pretty much just silence. Just some background sounds of whatever's happening in the room. What? This does not happen with any other music. If you pick a song, it plays the song. But this time when you pick the song, it plays nothing. It's just silence. Is this silence even music at all? Alright, let's sidetrack from that whole big tangent and let me bring you to an entirely different character from an entirely different series. Olimar and his Pikmin. The Pikmin soundtracks are usually pretty sparse to begin with, but there is one track that stands out in its sparseness amongst the rest. This remix that shows up in Smash Bros. Brawl, known as Environmental Noises, is arranged by Takahiro Nishi. Have a listen to this jam. Yes, friends, this song, Environmental Noises, is a music track listed in Smash Bros. Ultimate. Gamer, 
when played in the right setting, is a music track that sounds like this. When you hear these pieces of music, do you think they even deserve to be called music in the first place? Are there even any qualities about them that define them as music? Are you as confused as I am? Is the topic of this episode going to be a question too? What is music? Yep, we're getting philosophical on this one. Buckle in, folks. Take a piece of music like Wario's Gamer. Or take a piece of music like John Cage's 433, in which the player famously sits at their instrument in silence for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. Yeah, that's the song. Many people might dismiss these as not being music, but simply empty space. Now take Pikmin's environmental noises. And take Steve Reich's It's Gonna Rain. You might tell me this isn't music, but maybe just some random sounds thrown together. Maybe you might hear a piece of spectral music. Or perhaps Inuit throat singing. And dismiss those as not being music, because it sounds so foreign from anything else we describe as music that there's no way that this can be too. Well, that all begs the question. If it's not music, then what is? We can take a few different approaches to answering this question, but let's start with the etymology of the words used for music in English and in other languages and cultures. In ancient Greek, the term musiki didn't just include singing, but also dancing, poetry, storytelling, mythology, and coordinated gestures and poses. And Socrates said the greatest music was, essentially, philosophy. In the South African language Zulu, goma refers to both dance and music making, which is actually similar to other cultures like the Soya people of Brazil, for example. In China, the term for music could mean a sounding tone from a human or instrument, music making, or a piece of music. In Japan, different terms are used for concert, dance, theater, and folk music, but there is no one term for music. By contrast, Iranian singing of the Quran is not considered in the culture to be music, but there is a term muziki, which is instrumental music. Are any of these complete ideas of music? Are all of them partial ideas of music? There are a few ideas that people may generally give about what they believe music to be. Let's take a look at five of those ideas. Number one. Music is in the ear of the beholder, the, the listener. Basically, if someone says this, they say that what seems like music to them is music, and what doesn't seem like music isn't music. The problem with this definition is that it throws logic out the window and is purely subjective. If I'm introduced to gangster rap for the first time, I may not appreciate the hippity-hoppity nature of it or the lyrical content, but that doesn't mean it's not music. It definitely has strong musical characteristics. If I act this way, I risk putting my favorite music out there and someone telling me it isn't music because they don't like it. So this definition is not sufficient. Let's move on to number two. 
Music is organized sounds and silences. This is probably getting closer to the heart of it. We make music by making a variety of sounds, often pitched with some kind of rhythm where there are gaps sometimes. This even incorporates John Cage's 433, which is an organized four and a half minutes of silence. This seems like a pretty broad and all encompassing definition, right? Well, in order for this definition to be correct, everything that fits in this description should be music. So, what about the ticking of a clock? Isn't that organized sound in silence? How about a heartbeat? Or a hammering nail? Or a microwave beeping at you? Or a woodpecker on a tree? It's possible that these sounds could be used in some element of a piece of music, and no doubt most of those examples have, but in and of themselves, we probably don't consider them musical sounds. Also, one can argue that music isn't just distilled into a consumable form, like streaming MP3s through your phone, for example. That means that sound and silence isn't really a complete picture. Music is made and experienced. Typically, music is made in community, and music can be experienced corporately and engaged with when done live, like clapping and singing along at a rock concert or dancing to jazz. So, music is both less and more than just organized sound and silence. Let's try another definition. Number three. Music is humanly organized sounds and silences. Sure, but computer programs or other algorithms can produce music independent of human interaction. There are also bird songs and whale songs, as some biologists define song as a sound being made by an animal during its breeding season to attract a mate and or defend a territory. Let's try again. Number four. Music is humanly structured patterns of melody, harmony, rhythm, timbre, and textures. For the uninitiated, timbre describes the way an instrument sounds, like how a violin sounds like a violin and not bagpipes, and texture describes the components that make up a song as a whole. We might be getting closer to a definition, but this definition is still not all encompassing. We can, of course, think of examples of music where some of the elements I just listed, particularly melody and harmony, are absent. So, why don't we try a different route? Number five. Music is humanly organized sounds and silences that can arouse or express human emotions and are intended to do so. I guess so. I don't know. Can you think of any examples of music that aren't intended to arouse human emotions? A lot of pop music exists to make us feel good, and the music we listen to during Smash Bros usually attempts to get us amped up to fight each other.、Oh, maybe this is a good definition. Hang on, we can also be roused to emotion by other sounds like a car crash, or a baby crying, or an actor passionately portraying a character. We also may not be moved to emotion if we've been inundated by the same song over and over. Or if a piece of music is so foreign to us that we don't understand it, what do we do about this question then? Can we ever find the answer of what is music? Take the words of ethnomusicologist Bruno Nettle in this matter. The world's societies have greatly differing conceptions of music and its place in life and culture, assigning it broad or narrow scope. 
placing it high or low among the domains, some associating it mainly with dance and drama, others with speech or with the arts as a whole, or again with religion and ceremonial, or yet with undesirable activities such as drinking and trance-like behavior. As such, we have to conclude that music is not a singular type of activity. It can't be reduced to one set of similar objects or pieces intended to be made or listened to for one particular kind of experience or value. Music, then, must refer to fundamentally distinct types of activities that fulfill different needs and ways of being human. And that's about as close an answer I can come to. Who knew it would be Wario that would bring us to our most intellectual episode yet? <laughs> this episode is basically my summary of what amounts to maybe a quarter of a chapter from the book Music Matters, a philosophy of music education, written by David Elliott and Marissa Silverman. If you're a music educator, or if this kind of heady talk is your jam, I highly recommend this book for you to read. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the podcast, or suggestions of a song or music topic. Leaving a rating or review on your podcasting platform is a great way to share that with me, and helps Overtone Warp Zone gain some exposure. You can stay up to date on podcast news by visiting the website overtonewarpzone.com. If you found some enjoyment from this podcast and want to give your support, check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash overtone warp zone. Until next time, keep playing. <laughs>